0: We'll take your Bible this morning, if you will, and turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, and as you know, we've been going through a series on Sunday morning called The Bible That Jesus Read, and of course, that is the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. We've been looking at passages and stories in the Old Testament for the last several weeks, and we are getting close to Thanksgiving, and uh, if you are going to... Talk about giving thanks to God. There's no better place to be than the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And so we're going to continue our our study in the Bible that Jesus read, the book of the Old Testament. And we're going to look in the book of Psalms this morning as we begin to think about thanksgiving. And I want to share with you this morning five ways, five ways that you can be thankful to God. Five ways that you can be thankful, five things that you can do. To be thankful, and we're going to begin in Psalm 107. Now, before I begin, uh, you know sometimes we are in a thankful spirit. I mean, we just, I guess, with our uh, the the place in life we may be. There are times we feel very thankful, and uh, we just want to give thanks to God, and we're just grateful. And uh, there are other times in life we really don't feel very thankful. We really don't feel very grateful. We're kind of in a bad place in life, and. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. It's one of my favorite Thanksgiving stories, but I first heard it from Dr. Adrian Rogers, who told about an experience he had at a church when he had a young couple during a specific time. It was kind of a, a downtime economically, and uh, the economy was not doing well, and this young couple came to see him. They had lost their job, and uh, their house was being repossessed. Their car had already been repossessed. They were in a financial a bad financial situation, didn't have a job, and uh, they came to see him, and they were very upset. He said, and uh, they said, "We're just so upset." You know, they were crying. They said, "We just, we just don't have anything." He said, "That's, that's the problem. We don't have anything. We, we lost our house. We've lost our car." And he said, "I sat there and I looked at that beautiful young couple. that had a little baby with them, newborn baby, a couple of, couple of months old." And I, and I thought. He just came to me. I I said, well, you don't have anything. He said, no, we don't have anything. We're just, we just don't have anything. He said, and I asked him, I said, are you healthy? They said, well, yes, as far as we know, you know, we don't have any, any problems. Okay. He said, well, he said, you married. Yes, we're married. He said, do you love one another? You know, some folks are married, don't love one another. Don't raise your hand, please. But, uh, or maybe you should, we'll try to get you some help. But uh, he said, do you love one another? And they said, Oh, yeah, yeah, we love each other. We love each other a lot. We're just madly in love with one another. I said, Okay. He said, Well, uh, I assume you are, but are you American citizens? He said, Oh, yeah, we were both born, born in America. I said, Okay. He said, Well, how old are you? He said, Well, we're both 25. I said, Okay. He said, That's your baby? He said, Oh, yeah, yeah, so we love our baby. He said, Well, how much will you take for it? I said, Well, what do you mean? Well, I, I'll buy him. I, we take $100,000, you know, and they were shot. What about a million? And of course, the mother was like, you know, she got a bad look on her face. She said, no, no, our baby's not for sale. He said, well, you, well, he said, I want you to think about something. You just said you didn't have anything. You're both crying in my office. He said, and now I find out that you're both healthy. He said, there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires who'd give all the money they have if they could be healthy again. They're not healthy. He said, you love one another. He said, there's a lot of folks that live in great big mansions that would give that mansion away if they could have love back in their marriage. But you've already got it. He said, and you're American citizens. He said, there's people all over the world spending thousands of dollars risking their life to get to this country, to just live here. And you're, you've been here all your life. Not only are you here, but you're a citizen with all the rights and privileges that an American citizen has. You're both 25 years old. He said, there's a lot of old folks That would trade places with you in a minute. They'd give you all the money they have if they could just be 25 years old again. He said, You've already told me you got a million dollar baby. He said, So I think you've got a lot. Now, you might be sitting here and say, Well, Brother William, that's a nice little story, and I've heard it before, by the way, because I was here the last time you told that story. Uh, But I got a problem with your story. That worked good for that 25-year-old healthy couple with a little million-dollar baby, but I'm old, I'm sick, I don't have a husband or a wife, and I don't have any children. So your, your, your story don't do any good for me. Well, just, just hang on. No matter what condition you are in, I want to encourage you this morning. There is always something to be thankful for. And I want to try to encourage you today from God's Word in Psalm 107 to let us begin to look at some ways that we can be thankful and have a thankful heart. Now, you know, in Psalm 107, just to tie this in to where we've been in the last few weeks, we've been in the Old Testament, but more specifically, we've been talking a lot about uh, the people of Israel as they went into the Babylonian captivity. And... Then, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah, if you read those two books in the Old Testament, you see as they begin to come back when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, then uh, the Persian king began to look favorably upon the Jews who were already in Babylon as captives of the Babylonian Empire. He began to look favorably upon them. And you remember, he began to allow them to go back to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And that's what Nehemiah is all about. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you read the book of Ezra, all about the Jews rebuilding and those walls of Jerusalem coming back from captivity. And many Bible scholars think the 107th Psalm, if you read it, Many scholars believe that it, is, it was written and focuses on that period of time when the Jews were coming back from that captivity. Remember, we, we, we were in Habakkuk when Habakkuk was a captive in Babylon. and. Or Actually, God had given him the vision that God was going to send the Babylonians, I'm sorry, in to conquer Israel and it was giving him a lot, a lot of consternation and a lot of worry. He couldn't believe that God was going to do that. But yet Ezra and Nehemiah, they're all about the people of Israel coming back. And this Psalm 107, if you could view it as a person who's looking back over a very difficult time, looking back over a period of captivity when their people had been captives in a foreign land. But now God, as He had promised Habakkuk, as He has promised His people, He has brought them back. And now they're back in Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the walls. And if you look at this 107th chapter, it begins with this phrase, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them out of their distresses and He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. And in verse 8, there's a phrase that occurs four different times in this 107th Psalm. And this phrase is this, verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Now, most of you know that the Psalms were originally put to music. And they're basically ancient songs that people sang. And you know, a lot of times, and we sang a few songs this morning, a few hymns, and a, a traditional hymn, as we know it, has a chorus. You have verses that are all different, and then you sing a chorus that you repeat every time you finish a verse. And this little phrase, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If you look at this 107th Psalm, that little phrase is like a chorus, And if you look there, you fast forward to verse number 15, you see it again. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then he talks about some of God's deliverance. And then in verse number 21, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then he talks about some of God's miraculous works. And then in verse number 31, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. To the children of men. So you have this 107th Psalm where the psalmist, I believe, was looking back to that Babylonian captivity. Not just that time of distress, but looking all the way back to when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And he's looking back and he's thanking God for delivering his people and for delivering him. And he he keeps coming back, oh that men... Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. It's a cry. It is a request that the psalmist has. He has this sense of gratitude and this sense of thanks. And he says, I I wish people would give thanks to God. I wish people would have a heart of gratitude. And I want to focus on 21 and 22, verses 21 and 22. It is... The third stanza, if you will, the third repeat of that chorus, if you want to call it that. And on each one of the choruses, in verse 8 and verse 9, after he repeats that, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, he says something far. In verse 8, he says, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And in verse number 21, he says it this way. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And remember what I said at the beginning, that I wanted to give you five ways that you can be thankful. Five ways that you can actually thank God for what he's done for you. Just this week, uh, I was struck by something that a young man said, and I don't... I really don't know the details of what happened, and I'm not going to get into that, but I want to focus on something he said. This week, I understand that the president uh, basically, what's the right word? Not paroled or pardoned, but maybe it is pardoned. Um, uh, there was a soldier who had been in prison for six years for something he did over in Afghanistan. He was convicted of, of some type of uh, crime, according to some folks. Some folks said he didn't do anything wrong. Some folks said he did. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that controversy. But what struck me was he had a 20-year prison sentence. He was in Leavenworth, Kansas, the military prison there. And the president basically pardoned him and said, okay, uh, you, you know, with presidential power, I, you're free. And uh, he was being interviewed. Of course, he was coming home to his family after six years in military prison. Uh, and he said, I just want to say thank you to the president However, thank you seems so insignificant. You know, it doesn't really convey what I want to convey for giving me my life back and allowing me to come back to my family. Simply to say thank you is it, it seems almost worthless, but I do want to say thank you. That's all I can do right now. And you think about him as, well, I think he was a captain in the army. You know, what can a captain uh, do to, to thank the President of the United States I mean what, what can you give the President of the United States? how can you improve his life? you know can you send him a present? you know can you do something that, that might help him in his life? not really all you can do is say thank you thank you And when you really begin to focus on God and who God is, you really can't give anything God you can't give anything to God that he doesn't already have. I mean, even if you praise Him and you give Him thanks, He's already God. You know, I'm I'm a very fallible human being, just as all of you are, in case you didn't know it, by the way. You are very fallible, all of you. And and I, I want you to understand, as I want myself to understand, how susceptible you are to manipulation. You'd be wise to understand that. You are very susceptible to praise and flattery, just as I am. I pretend I'm not, but I know I am. Loy's, I, I don't see Loy she's not here please don't tell her this but she could get anything she wanted if she just brag on me a little bit don't tell her I said that I, well, you know what I'm going to tell all you wives you, most of you already know this by now your, your husband get you anything you want you just brag on him a little bit it don't even have to be true just make it up uh, I shouldn't have said that I'm out of the spirit now I know I'm I, I, I'm speaking my own opinion now. I, I, I'm not. I'm not really preaching like I ought to. But, but, that is how susceptible we are. You really are. I mean, you are susceptible. Somebody brags you a little bit, tell you you're a great person. I mean, if you're not careful, you'll, you know, you, you'll just be be very influenced by that person. But God is not that way. You can't. You can't make God quote feel any better than he already feels about himself. God knows who he is. So when we give something to God, recognize that we're not giving it to God so that we can help Him or make Him better like we might try to help someone that we care about or we love, we really can't. But yet there is a reason, and the Bible does tell us that there are some things that we can give to God, as the psalmist says, that we want to offer up the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Well, what are some specific things that we can do? Well, if you go over to the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when he talks about a sacrifice, think about for a moment what a sacrifice is. We don't really do sacrifices in our modern worship, but back in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, they did do sacrifices. And what a sacrifice is, it's something that you possess, something you have authority and control over, something you own or possess, and you take that, it's a value, Something you possess of value and that you choose to offer up and give to someone else. Be that another person or a deity or a government or whoever it might be. You have something of value that's within your control and you say, I am going to give this up. I'm going to release this this thing of value and it's going to cost me something. It's going to impact me. I'm not going to be as wealthy when I finish giving it. I'm going to lose something when I offer it up. But I'm going to give this thing up and I'm going to give it up to a person or in this case to God. So with that thought in mind, what are some things that you and I can give God that God would accept so that we don't just say, Lord, thank you. But maybe there's something... there's something that is of value that I can give God. What would it be? Well, if you look in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The first thing of substance that you can give God, the first way that you can say thank you to God Paul says that you should present your body a living sacrifice. We were talking, uh, Connie was talking about that song we sang earlier, Being As Old As She Was. And, uh, you know, I did hear them practicing that, and I thought about being back at church camp. We sang that at church camp. I don't know, for some reason when I hear that song, I think about church camp as a child. And we would sing uh, that song. And I think about some other songs that, that, that we would sing and, you know, about your hands. Be careful little hands, what you do. Be careful little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful with the little eyes, what you see. And, and, and that focus, you know, that's a little kid's song. But let me tell you, do us adults a lot of good to take that song and remember that our body is something we possess. And what we do with our body reflects what we value. And the Apostle Paul says, present your body a living sacrifice to God. What that means is, what can I do with my body? Well, you know, our, our, our intimacy with the opposite sex. That's something we can do with our body. And the Bible tells us how God desires for us to use that gift, that gift of sex that He has given the human race. There's a way that that is to be used. And the Bible says that it is to be used within the bonds of marriage. Within the bonds of marriage. Listen, it's, it, that's not politically popular today. Our culture is a culture that believes in freedom and it's my body and I do what I want to with it. That's exactly right. Remember what a sacrifice is? It's taking something that belongs to you of value and offering it up to someone or something. So you take your chastity, if you will... Young people that are here, listen to me, young girls, young boys, uh, you take your virginity, you take your, your pureness as a young person and you say, Lord, here I am. This is my body. I've not known a man. I've not known a woman. I offer, a, I offer that up to you. I'm going to remain pure for you. I'm going to remain pure for you. I'm going to give you my chastity as a person. I'm going to do what your word says. This is my offering to you. I give you my body. Sexually and physically. I give it to you. What I do with my body, I will do to honor you. Not only that, but your body obviously consists of your mind. What we think. What we study. What we read. What we put into our mind. And you say, Lord, I'm going to give to you my mind. I'm going to give to you my thoughts. Lord, I mean, my goodness, we don't even, we'd never get to the other four if I stayed here much longer. But needless to say, our body consists of so much. And so you work out the details. All right, here's the principle. The principle is that Paul says, offer up your body a living sacrifice. Often in the Old Testament, the sacrifice would be dead, right? It would be killed and laid up on an altar. They'd take a lamb or a bull, and they would kill that lamb, that bull, and they would offer that up as a sacrifice. And everybody that Paul was writing to was very familiar. They had seen that with their eyes. That's what they did back in that day. They understood that concept. And Paul takes that, and he says, I want you to offer up not a dead animal, but I want you to offer up a living sacrifice. And that living sacrifice is your body. Offer up yourself to God. Offer up your body to God. Lord, here is my body. It is capable of so much, both good and evil, both clean and unclean. But I offer it up to you. It is of value. And Lord, I give this thing of value to you. I give you my body, such as it is. They say you're a miracle worker. I'm going to find out. Here it is. If you can do something with this lump of clay... See if you can do something with this piece of clay. Here it is, my body. Well, that is the first thing that you can do. You can offer up your body. Whether something else the Bible says that we can offer God, that's in Hebrews 13, 15. There the author of Hebrews says, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Well, boy, there's no better place to be than the book of Psalms if you're talking about praise and the fruit of our lips. And probably the most well-known psalm about lifting up praise to God is Psalm 100. And we have a beautiful description of offering up praise with our mouth to, to God. And there the Bible says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. We're to praise God and lift up. Listen, God made you a musical creature. Have you ever seen a car, and there are a few, I know, but it is an oddity to find a car without a radio. Well, let me back up. I am, I am, now who needs a radio when you have iPads, right? And, and I, I started to say, a, uh, what was the thing they had before they had iPhones? Had music on it? iPod, iPod, iPod. yeah. Nobody knows what an iPod is anymore. But why, why is all that so popular? Because people love music. I, you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. And I know some of his names, Gary. But anyway, I won't call him. You might not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. Yeah. But everybody here is affected by music. Music affects you. Maybe your kind of music. Everybody's got different tastes. But God made us a musical creature. And the reason music is so popular and people get famous and make millions of dollars by Providing music that people enjoy is because it moves people. It affects people. I told you there's a country song for every (laughs) theological truth. And I think about one from the 70s. The only songs I know. Please, Mr. Please. Don't play B-17. It was my song. It was our song. Now it's over. It didn't mean much. You had to put it to music. See, I tell you. <laughs> just repeating it doesn't do anything for you. But the idea, you know, sometimes you hear a song that maybe, you know, an old lost love. You know, your first, your first love, you know, you used, to, you used to know and you hear that song and, you know, you, you get a little teary-eyed. You think about, you, or you hear a song as I did. I heard that song this morning that we used to sing in, in, in children's, uh, I mean, in, in church camp. And all of a sudden, just that song, I could see, I I was was back at church camp. I could remember the little kids, you know, and and the teachers we had and, and all the things that we did. Music has a way of affecting you. So don't ever say, I don't like music in church. Yes, you do. You like music. You like music. Music moves your soul. So don't separate the worship of God from music. You, you need music. And, and God, the whole book of Psalms is about music unto the Lord. Everybody has different taste, You know, and everybody's got different things that move them. But listen, find you some worshipful music. Find you something that stirs your soul in a spiritual way and, and play that. And worship God. You're missing out on something if you don't worship God with the fruit of your lips. You don't worship God with your voice. Again, you don't have to be able to harmonize. That doesn't matter. Just get out somewhere and sing or listen to somebody that can sing. Get a, As I said, there's every kind of digital music you can listen to. So many ways. But, but let the music of God fill your soul and just be inspired and encouraged by music. Worship God. Well, there's a third way that we can honor and worship God. And over in Psalm 141 verse 2. There the psalmist says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And then in Revelation 5, 8, the Bible says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. First Timothy 2 8, Paul said, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. A way we're talking about ways that you can give thanks to God. Number one, give him your body. Number two, give him your praise. Give him your praise. Praise God with your voice and with your lips. Number three is your prayers. I think that's that's a very if a very inspirational and encouraging verse is Revelation 5.8 where it talks about the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb and they had golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. In the ancient worship of that day they would use these golden bowls, these incense, and they would offer them up uh, in worship. And here we have a picture of these elders before the throne and they're offering up in worship before the Lord the prayers of the Of the saints. And again the psalmist mentioned about the prayers being a sacrifice before the Lord. Paul mentioned about prayers in the act of worship. Praying, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. My friend one of the ways that we can give thanks to God is talk to God. Talk to God. That's what prayer is. Just giving God your heart. Pouring out your heart before Him. Speaking to God. Communicate with God. You say I don't know what to say to God. Well, you do know what to say to God. What worries you? What are your doubts? What are you mad about? I mean, you take all the books of the Bible. There are books of the Bible where people are literally shouting at God. Job, for example. He's basically almost shaking his fist at God. Saying, God, what are you doing? Habakkuk, that we just finished studying. They're both angry. They don't understand what God is doing. And they're communicating that to God. There are books like the book of Psalms where they're just enraptured. Psalm 107, you've got a guy, you've got a person that wrote that psalm. He is so excited. He, I mean, listen, if we could fast forward him and put him in our context, I mean, I have to say he'd be a shouter. I think the guy that wrote Psalm 107. He's like, man, why don't y'all praise the Lord? Oh, that men would praise God and give him thanks. He said, I don't understand you folks. What's wrong with you? That's the guy that wrote Psalm 107. He's wanting people to rejoice. So what I'm letting you know is that all throughout the Bible there's different types of communication with God. There's not one specific kind. Prayer is simply telling God what's on your mind. Telling God what is on your heart. Are you burdened? As the old song says, are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. That's what prayer is. Prayer is speaking to God. You know, you know what they say the death knell of a marriage is? When you quit talking. It's not always arguing, throwing things, and, you know, having fits. That's usually the beginning of the end. But the end of the end is when all that goes away, nobody cares anymore. There's no arguing, there's no uh, throwing things, there's no fighting. There's just no communication. No no communication. And my friend, the spiritual death of your relationship with God is when you don't communicate. It's okay to get mad at God. Just keep talking. Keep talking to God. It's okay if you don't know what to say to God. Just keep saying it. As long as you're talking and you're lifting up your cares to Him, you keep reaching out to Him. We're talking about how you can be thankful beyond just saying, thank you, Lord. That's okay. But you can be thankful by giving God your body. You can be thankful by giving Him your praise. Singing praise to God. Singing in the songs of Zion, if you will. You can be thankful to God by giving Him your prayers. Just talk to God. Talk to God. Tell Him what is on your mind. Tell Him what is on your heart. A fourth thing that we can give God, we find it in Hebrews 13, verse 15. says, But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You can worship God with your possessions, your financial possessions. Somebody said, Well, you've quit preaching and gone to meddling now. You started talking about my pocketbook. Listen, I heard somebody say one time or I read it, I don't remember which, but I think it's very true. You want to find out what is important to a person, look at two books. Their pocketbook and their date book. What they spend their money on and their time on. Those are our really two most precious possessions. Is money and time. Time really much more important than money. But what do we spend our time on and what do we spend our money on? And my friend, you can't give God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Money doesn't help God. What it does, it helps you. Money helps you. When we recognize that everything that I possess belongs to God and I want to hold the things that I possess loosely. Loosely. I don't want to cling to them. I want to hold them loosely. And so the Bible teaches us that we should give of our. Possessions, And I'll quote another passage over from uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says, But this I say, He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So, le- so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Give give generously. Give willingly. Give cheerfully. Give sacrificially. You know, Jesus had a wonderful example. You remember the story when they were at the temple and they saw everybody putting, they were passing the plate there in the the temple when Jesus was walking the earth. And, and, uh, of course, the wealthy people, as they do today, they did then. They were putting in large sums of money, you know, into the plate. And back then, it wasn't a check. It was coins. So when someone gave a large amount of money, you could tell it wasn't written on a piece of paper. It was something that made noise or they had to get some, well this is heavy and they, somebody dropped something in the, in the big, it wouldn't be a plate it would be a big, something, a big pot that they were putting money into and, and they would drop that in. They said, whoa, you hear that? Boy, they gave a lot. And the disciples they told Jesus, they said, wow look how much they're giving. And you know the story. There was a widow there, very poor, and she had put in one little penny. And Jesus said, I tell you that that widow has cast in more than all these others combined. And I'm sure the disciples were like, okay, is that the new math? What math is that that you're using, Jesus? What kind kind of algebra is that that you're using? That doesn't equate with the way I count. And Jesus had to explain it. He said, they all gave out of their abundance. In other words, they gave a lot, but they didn't miss a penny. It didn't affect their standard of living one iota. They weren't going to miss a meal. They weren't going to have to sell the car, you know, the chariot, excuse me. I mean, they weren't going to have to to, to get to cut their standard of living by any bit. That, that They gave, but it didn't affect them. He says, but she has given all she possessed. All her living. She gave it all. They gave out of the abundance of their possessions. She gave all she had. That's how God measures our giving. He doesn't keep an account of how many thousands or, or hundreds of thousands or millions you give. He gives based on your ability to give. So you don't be worried about how much you give. You just give as God has blessed you. If God has blessed you a little, you give out of that little. If He has blessed you a lot, you give Out of that lot. And so we should give our possessions to God. Financial possessions and any other possessions that we possess. We should give them to God's work. And by the way, I'm going to give you something. December the 15th. I've asked Brother Ron Everett. uh, All all of you know that he is an IMB. He and his wife, Stephanie, are IMB missionaries uh, for the Lord. And he is going to be here um, December the 15th. And he's going to speak that Sunday. And that is going to be our special Sunday that we're going to take up a special offering for the Lottie Moon International Mission Board Christmas Offering. Now, you can give before then, and you can give after then, but that is going to be a special Sunday, and we're going to give that. And the reason that offering is special, and the reason I've asked him to share that Sunday, is that money, as I shared about these shoeboxes going out, that money is spent, every dollar of that money that is given, on December the 15th, goes to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. That is the International Mission Board. is the Southern Baptist mission organization that goes to foreign countries, countries other than North America. And all of that money, it's not used for the operation of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's used to spread the gospel. And I can't think of anything better to give to than the spreading of the gospel. So there's an opportunity. Of course, you have an opportunity every Sunday when the kids plaster the plate by. You know, we, we try to use your money wisely too. But there's an opportunity to give, some, to give to something beyond here, to give to something that will reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The last, and I would say the most important thing I believe that we can do. The one that I believe is so important. Well, I've talked about five ways that you can give thanks to God. Number one, give your body Offer up your body a living sacrifice. Number two, give praise. That's the fruit of your lips to God singing and worshiping Him. Give your prayers just talking to God out of your heart. Whatever is bothering you, just talk to God about it. And number four, your possessions. Be willing to give financially of what you have to the Lord's work. But the last thing I want to share is over in Psalm 51, 17. There the psalmist says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. In Isaiah 66, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all these things exist, says the Lord. What? That's great poetic language that basically says what I said a moment earlier. That you can't improve God one iota. God is saying, you going to build me a great house? I've made the universe. I made all the planets and the stars. You can't build me anything that impresses me. What are you going to do? I created the universe. But, he says, you remember my favorite word in the Bible. But, on this one will I look. I, I want to pay attention to that. He says, I, I'm not worried about a big, a big cathedral that you build me. I'm not worried about a great building you make to my glory. But here's something that will get my attention. Upon this one will I look. Him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. God says, this gets my attention. One who is broken in spirit and who trembles at my word. We're talking about that fifth and final way of giving thanks to God. It is giving Him our brokenness. And there's really two types of brokenness that I want to quickly make sure you understand. One is repentance. That is, if there's, not, if there's something in your life that you know is not right... You need to be broken about that. You need to repent of that. You need to turn from that and turn back to righteousness and turn back to God. But there is a second type of brokenness. And that is a brokenness where you've had great disappointments in life. You've had great failures in life. You are literally broken emotionally and spiritually. You're broken mentally. You're broken in every way you can be broken And listen, my friend, God says there is something that catches my eye. And it is not a beautiful cathedral. It is not these beautiful things that you think you can do for me. It is someone who takes their brokenness and they offer that brokenness to me whether it is brokenness of repentance over sin or brokenness over the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings of life. Take that suffering, take that brokenness and say, God, I don't understand, but I offer it to you. I say, my friend, to me, that is one of the most precious gifts because it's relatively easy to have a lot of money and say, you know what? I'm just going to give a bunch of it away. Makes us feel good, don't it? Feel good. Boy, I'm a good person. I give away a lot of money. Or to feel really good and to come in and to just sing. Man, I like to sing. And I just get a joy out of singing my heart out. But let me tell you something, my friend. To be broken, as Habakkuk was, as Job was. To not understand what is going on. And yet to bring that brokenness to God. And to say, Lord, I offer this to you. I don't understand. But I offer it to you. If that's you today, bring that brokenness to God. You say, Brother William, I don't feel like singing. It's okay. Cry a while. Bring your tears to God. That's worship. Bring your tears to God. Bring that brokenness. The Lord says, He that is of a poor and a contrite spirit, upon this one will I look. The sacrifices of the Lord are a broken and a contrite spirit. You want to give thanks to God, say thank you, that's good. But you want to give thanks to God, give yourself, give your praise, give your prayers, give your possessions, and give your brokenness to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. And God, I pray that all of us here, we will truly have a thankful heart and a thankful spirit. And God, our thankfulness will not be something casual or flippant. But Lord, it will mean something. And we will give of the things that you have given us that are within our possession and that are within our power to give things that are of value. We will give of ourself and our praise and our prayers and our possessions and even our brokenness we will give to you. And I pray, God, for anyone here that, Lord, is lost without your grace and your love. I pray that you will draw them with your cords of love to your grace and your forgiveness. Have your will and way in this invitation. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing a hymn of invitation, I ask you to obey the Lord. you hear this morning. You just come, pray, or I'll be glad to pray with you as we stand.